And our purpose stimulates our vision, which is our sense of becoming, our mission, which is our doing. And then you can achieve those in spite of people. But how much better is it to do it with people? And that's where grace comes in. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, I just want to welcome you to the Kelly family and let you know that this show exists for leaders just like you. So if you are a leader who is wrestling with a tough choice, maybe you're in the midst of a merger, maybe you're having to let someone go, maybe you're just wrestling with some sort of leadership topic that's really stressing you out, we would love to help you along. Or maybe you just know of someone who's going to make a great guest for our show uh, and would love to recommend them. You can do all thing, all these things and more. So send us an email to ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D, at iupui.edu. Well, today we are honored to be joined by John Baldoni, executive coach and leadership educator, who's also the author of the book, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. Plus, he is a member of the highly acclaimed Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches. John, I just want to welcome you to the show and to say Thanks for tuning in with us. Oh, well, thank you, man. I appreciate that warm welcome. You know, typically when we think of the term grace, it comes from a lot of religious circles, Christian circles, Jewish circles, you know, Muslim circles. You know, there, there's a uh, a spiritual component that's tied into grace. And I don't know that uh, for me personally, I haven't really heard of this uh, parallel being drawn into business. So first off, let's talk about how you define grace in this context uh, so we can all get on the same page. And then we'll move forward as to, you know, how how you started bringing this in, you know, what was this revelation that allowed you to say, hey, you know what, there's something we can do here? Good question. You're exactly right. Uh, grace is most often uh, associated with faith uh, organizations, and it's a multiplicity of faiths. And actually, the ancient Greeks also had such a concept of grace. Um, but I like to think of grace as actually wired in our DNA. It's the capacity to care for ones close to us. So we're wired to do this. So grace for me, and I do deal with it in the secular sense, is um, the capacity to act on our better angels, okay? Better angels of our nature, as uh, Lincoln would have said. And so it's the catalyst for the greater good. So what that means from a leadership standpoint is be thinking, and good leaders do this, of the whole organization. That means the tough decisions you make uh, may um, cause pain, but is, if they're intended for the good, the sustainability of the organization, that's a good thing. As you mentioned in your intro, people talking about promotions or layoffs or things like that. None of that is pleasant, but sometimes uh, often leaders have to make these hard choices and how they do it matters. And grace for me is that capacity to act for the greater good in the sense that we act with a generosity, we treat people with respect, we act with compassion, um, and we act for the team and we energize at the same time. All those things work together. 
So in, in discovering this, you know, idea of grace or, you know, obviously you're an accomplished author. Yeah, you have many books that you've written so far, you know, but you've drawn this, this interesting parallel of grace and leadership. You know, you're taking a spiritual component and you're moving it in kind of into like a secular world for lack of a, a, a better, better term. Uh, so what was kind of the, the launching point? Like what opened your eyes to see how these two uh, worlds were able to collide to in you know, in theory or uh, through the accomplishment of making a better leader? It's a good question. And what drew me to it, my, I've done a lot of work in purpose and some in resilience. And um, those are good. And I like to think that our purpose stimulates our uh, vision, which is our sense of becoming, our mission, which is our doing. And then you can achieve those actually mission and vision in spite of people, but how much better is it to do it with people? And that's where grace comes in. Purpose is our why, grace becomes our how. And the stimulus for writing the book was the tenor of our times. You know, we amplify uh, negative voices a great deal. And so, but I look around and you can call me naive. I, I like to say there's more good than there is bad. And I see a lot of examples of people do, caring for one another. In our own, just take your own community. You have uh, community leaders, um, you have pastors, you have team sports coaches. And now, especially, and I both, the book came out in May of 2019, and now we're in a pandemic. And if there's ever been a call, a greater call for grace, I don't know what it is. And I am seeing it. Um, and if there's a silver lining to this um, COVID crisis and pandemic and economic fragility, it's a heightened awareness of one another. We are all in this together. And I'm sensing that people are actually acting with grace. Not all the time. <laughs> I can vouch for that personally. Uh, but I think we're kind of cutting people a little bit of slack. We're ignoring the slights. And that is an important accent of a component of grace is uh, letting the important things just uh, slough off, you know, don't take umbrage at everything. And that's what social media, sadly, it's really anti-social media amplifies. We, we amplify grievance rather than kindness. And, um, and so that's where grace comes in, that willingness to connect more effectively with others. And from a business standpoint, it's that ability to see the, the potential and the goodness in others. You know, and I mean, just personally as a Christian, I mean, you learn about the tenets of grace through uh, through going to church and things like that, and that spiritual component. And it's usually always uh, partnered with um, some sort of wrongdoing, some sort of mistake, some sort of um, ill that's that's taken place or transgression taken place on one party, and then the other party saying, you know, you don't deserve this, but you know, here's another chance. I'm coming at you with, I get it. You know, let's just move on. Um, and I do, do do think that is a very powerful, um, a very powerful and hard, hard to do, like hard to extend grace at times, especially when, you know, you're angry, you're upset when it, it seems like your actions are justified to react, um, to, to that wrong. Um, but I, I want to focus in because especially now, you know, like you said, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Everyone's been making mistakes. We've all had to adjust, you know, at lightning speeds, whether it's work from home, then go back to the office, then do a hybrid, then all these different things that are coming at leaders so fast. You know, let's start with 
as the leader themselves, you know, offering grace to yourself. Because one of the tenets of this show is we believe that an organization is only as good as the people who are a part of them and that for leaders who want change to occur within their teams, they first must be the change themselves before they can expect you know, the rest of their team uh, to jump on board. So, so talk about the importance of, you know, as a leader, being able to offer grace to yourself, because that's almost harder to do than offering grace to someone else because we're sweet. We so self-critical um, in, in everything that we do. I'm so glad you began with the self because that's where it should begin. You know, in, in, the, in the faith tradition, uh, grace is a gift that is given to us with no strings attached. So we do with it what we want. And it does begin with self, as you said, be, be the example you seek to be. And part of that begins with a concept of mercy and forgiveness. Forgive yourself for your imperfections, because if you don't, you'll become self-obsessed with your flaws rather than your virtues. Now, that doesn't mean you excuse yourself for wrongdoing. You need to make amends when things go wrong. But have a sense of self-gratitude. Gratitude itself really, in a sense, begins with self, because be thankful for what you have to offer. And some people have more to offer, say, let's just say, in a material sense. They can uh, you know, write big checks, or they can do things like that. But all of us have that capacity to be special for others. And one of my prime examples is um, a Jesuit priest in LA, uh, Father uh, Greg Boyle, who um, run, uh, created Homeboy Industries, which is the largest gang intervention program in LA, excuse me, in, in the world, actually, been going for more than 30 years. And it's, uh, it's a self-help program, but it's about creating opportunities for the disenfranchised. And Father Greg, or Father G, as he's known, talks about the connectedness. Um, he's an, also a, a powerful writer, and his latest book is called Barking at the Choir. And he talks about radical kinship, that ability to, be, to connect with others. And this is very important, especially now. Connectedness is so critical. And connectedness must begin with a sense of uh, openness. So, for example, um, if you, you see someone in need and you go up to them and I say, say, Matt, I know exactly what's going on. Here's what you have to do. Boom, 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 boom. Well, that's probably off-putting. But how about if I spend some time with you, Matt, have a conversation? You know, and if you raise an issue like um, something and I say, I hear that, Matt, would you like my perspective? And so we have a conversation. Um, and that's where a connectedness begins. And now connectedness in our times of strife is um, we have to do it very often virtually, but it's checking in with people. And I, you know, the, uh, and I thought good leaders are doing this already and have been for a while. It's just you have your business conversations, but um, check in with your people. Um, I just did a little video on something that we're all feeling now, and it's anxiety. And anxiety is a natural reaction to upheaval. And as a matter of fact, if you didn't feel anxious, you probably um, wouldn't be paying attention. So, and, but leaders need to make it safe for people to talk about anxiety. And if anxiety is clinical, and for some it is, then um, provide the opportunity for them to seek help without stigma, without shame. 
Um, and uh, so that's an element of grace. And that's beginning with the leader. Be the example you want to be. Learn from uh, folks. Part of grace, I think, is listening. And listening often for what you don't hear. So give, let me give you an example. So if I talk to you on a regular basis, Matt, and you're always pretty upbeat, and, all the, and I talk to you a couple of times, and I notice there's a lack of affect, or there's, you know, you're just down. Then I, then you and I need to have a sidebar conversation because go, Matt, what's going on, Matt? Because I, you're you're a pretty enthusiastic guy. I like your energy, but you know, there's something bothering you, and let's talk about it. So listen for what you don't hear, um, and uh, that's a that's a form of grace, if you will. You know, and one thing that I do want to make clear, and I think you brought it up slightly, was the fact that, you know, grace is not just accepting the whatever thing has been done is right, or it's saying, I'm not recognizing it as a leader, or it's brushing the issue under the rug and moving on. I mean, there, at some point, there is an element of, you know, uh, of being someone who cares about the individual and addressing the problem head on with them in a way that's, you know, uh, building and promoting and helping them get out of, you know, this rut or mental state or whatever it can be. And I think you brought up a great thing about that connectivity, you know, that a leader must have with an individual, you know, but, but, you know, I think for some people at times people can get that, that, uh, it confused in their mind that grace is, well, if I show them grace in this moment, all I'm doing is affirming that what they did wasn't so bad when it really was bad, or it's, it's something that does need to be addressed so that, you know, we can better us, ourselves and for whoever this individual is, they can better themselves because maybe they're just ignorant to it. Maybe they're just, you know, in a, have something bigger than what's, you know, at the surface going on in their life. Um, so how can an organizational leader, you know, able to kind of show that grace and, and be compassionate and, and give uh, mercy when, when it's needed, but at the same time, not let the, the transgression or not let the issue that's at the front um, you know, how do you work with that person in a graceful manner? Well, it's a good approach. Uh, it's a good question, Matt. And, and grace is your how, getting back to it. So if you, um, let's just take a business situation. You know, uh, we all, we all uh, miss deadlines. We all sometimes make wrong choices. Uh, I'm not talking about transgressions, ethical transitions, but we mess up, we screw up. So a good boss, it's how I approach you. If I go into you and just start screaming at you, um, that's going to get you down and you're probably not going to hear anything because you're going to be focused on the anger that I have. So how about let's have a conversation, you know, and uh, this is a coaching conversation. So I probably would always say, you know, let's open with an affirmative, you know, Hey, Matt, you're doing a good job. Um, but I, I want to talk about something. Uh, I, uh, let's talk about what happened in this project and just do an analysis of what happened. And then um, I hold you accountable. Let's let's, are you, let's let's figure this out together. What are you going to do to make it better? And we come to an agreement of this is what you're going to do. And I hold you accountable as you hold yourself accountable. So again, it's my approach. I'm not um, uh, coming down hard on you, but I'm holding you accountable. What am I holding you accountable for? Fixing the problem. And when I do that, that um, shows that I have faith in you. Um, and so, and if I don't have faith in you, well, then you're probably the wrong hire. And maybe it's on me because I hired you, <laughs> you know, so you don't have the skills. I ask you to do something that you weren't trained 
to do. Well, that's on me. That's on management. You know, so I'm going to get you the training. And frankly, if you're not able to do it, and that doesn't mean you're a bad person or a slacker by any means, then I need to find somebody who can. But at the same time, I'm holding and, and talking about being an example, I'm holding myself accountable for helping to fix the problem. So and grace, again, becomes that how. How I deal with the issue. Now, there is such a thing as righteous anger. Um, when people are wronged, you stand up for that and you stand up for the wronged person and, and you advocate for that. But let's focus our anger on right correcting things rather than grievance. Um, and so, uh, but uh, again, it's the how. And when you're talking about, you know, implementing grace and getting into your culture, because that's going to be the ultimate, you know, end goal is, you know, you not only do you want it to be embraced as a leader and embraced within your team, but you want it to, you know, uh, be part of the DNA of the culture of your organization eventually. You know, so with that in mind, what does it look like, you know, when a whole organizational culture starts embracing grace? You know, how does it impact um, the, just interactions with each other? How does it impact, you know, how people people are, are viewed, what the approach is on customers, you know, what does grace within a culture uh, look like? I think it's, it's a very good question. And uh, an organization that acts with grace, they probably don't use that term. Um, but we see this in our social service agencies a lot. It's acting with an open heart. It's giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's treating people with respect, um, uh, recognizing the dignity of others. Um, whole senior people, um, bosses, executives hold themselves accountable as they hold the team accountable. Um, there is not, there's coaching going on, the development. Um, there, the organization is focused, is, is focused on its purpose and achieving that in the right way. What do I mean by the right way? Honestly, honestly and ethically, yes, but with people instead of in spite of. Now, if people don't conform, well, you know, they're, this is, they're not in the right place. But I think when you go into an organization with grace or with this spirit of high purpose, people know their job and they focus on the work. Um, they build a camaraderie um, and they like being there. I mean, that's one of the key points to, you know, work, a work environment is do people uh, want to be there? That's a fancy word for that is engagement, which is simply do you like your job and you want to be there? You know, now in our time of uh, the pandemic, when we're all isolated and you talked about the hybrid workplace, um, some of us are in an office and some of us are not. And most of us are not. Um, and so that creates a kind of bifurcation. And that's where the culture stunts in. That's where the values must assert themselves. And, you know, we talk about none of us know what the new uh, economy or the new normal will be. Um, but I would like, I would posit that uh, the values we held dear in 20, January 2020 will be the values that shape our culture in whatever year we return to a kind of normalcy. And it's going to be different. Um, and uh, so know your values, and which is a sense of, of your um, um, a grace, if you will. And that's one thing I'm glad you brought up the values component because while we were on the phone before this interview, you know, you mentioned up uh, an idea that I love or, or analogy that grace, you know, you have your values as an organization, you know, whether they're stated in your mission statement, whether they're ingrained in your culture, like every organization has values. And you were saying, 
uh, that grace is the actual thing that holds the values together, kind of like the mortar of the bricks, if, if in an analogy for, for your values being the bricks and, and grace being the mortar. Can you expand upon, you know, why the grace element is what holds it all together? Well, grace is the facilitator um, because grace is this, as I said before, a catalyst for goodness. And from good comes kindness, comes generosity, comes compassion. We like to be a place where we feel we belong. We like to be in a place where people are treated right. Uh, even consumers uh, sense this. Um, they like uh, more and more research shows that consumers patronize brands that, quote, do it right um, and uh, treat people squarely, fair trade practices. All of these things are important to consumers. Fair trade practices too, also within the workplace. Do I, how am I treating my workers? Um, uh, am I giving them opportunities? Uh, do, do I practice diversity, equity, and inclusion? And to me, what's most important is inclusion. Am I listening to people different from myself? Um, and I am I providing their voice, enabling them to voice who they are. And we are in a time of uh, heightened racial. Uh, tension now. And so we are at an inflection point. And it's up to all of us now not to let this moment go, but to truly um, practice grace. And there's a wonderful concept that uh, a colleague of mine, Fiona McCauley, talks about in it, in, in, with women in leadership. And it's called sponsorship. And sponsorship is different than mentorship. Sponsorship is when they talk about you outside the room. And it's in a good way. In other words, when you're not around Matt, they will say, um, Matt can do this job. I like his attitude. I like his approach. I like his problem solving ability. That's sponsorship too, as my colleague uh, Terry um, Jackson talks about, uh, if, if in a racial situation, sponsoring people, uh, I believe in this individual and I'm, I'm going to work hard to have, um, promote him or her. But it's also the sense of advocacy for them. Um, that promotes inclusion. That makes it very real and vibrant. And inclusive um, cultures also bring people in. And the benefit to that is you get different ideas. And, you know, um, maybe you haven't noticed, but our world is changing and changing pretty fast. <laughs> uh, it's You better get on board and learn what's going on. And so uh, that's, it's only a strong business. Not only is it the right thing to do, there's the business case for it. Um, and it makes, and it creates a work environment where people want to be there. Could you call that grace in action? Sure, of course. Um, you know, because we have to take that first step, as you said earlier, be the example you want to become. That's acting with grace. So let's take this uh, kind of one step further. So let's say, you know, I'm an organizational leader. I'm looking uh, for some executive coaching. You know, I want really bad uh, to start, to get on this board. There's something broken in our culture. There's something that just felt that's just kind of off. And as an organizational leader, I really think that grace can be that missing link. So as a coach, you know, what are some of your first steps for me? 
me as an organizational leader on where am I going to begin this journey to kind of take inventory to see where we're at, or where am I going to begin to start implementing um, this grace concept within my own leadership? You know, how are you going to guide me as or coach me uh, through this? That's a, a good question. It's a powerful question. And again, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, it begins with yourself. So um, in a coaching process, we you know, do assessments and conversation and gather feedback from others uh, to get a picture of how you are in the workplace and then say, well, what is it that you want to accomplish? What are your coaching goals? And focus on those things. And I always work when I work with senior people, I say, pick up a, a personal goal and a personal goal, personal development goal. Uh, mine is, is patience. <laughs> and patience is definitely aligned to grace because it's enabling others to um, be themselves in front of you, to speak up on an impatient person as I am and many senior executives are is because they're in a hurry because they're time pressure. But it's letting that, um, you know, being patient and letting things come to you. And um, the other aspect of that is to talk about the virtues of humility. And I'm speaking to a business uh, school audience here. uh, And I always like to say that humility is the one thing they don't teach you in business school. (laughs) So uh, because you come out and you've got all the, you've got your quant skills, your analytic skills, you're ready to rock and roll. That's good. But um, we all need a little humility because failure to uh, act uh, with humility creates hubris and a hubristic leader um, gets into trouble very quickly. Uh, so and part of that is also we hear a lot about now is the empathy. And for a leader, that's that ability to sense the discomfort or pain of others. But from a leadership standpoint, it's one step further. What can I do to alleviate that that pain. So for example, in my organization, if I'm not diverse, if my organization is not diverse, or if I'm not inclusive, how am I as a senior person going to make sure that we act on our principles and act on what we believe and make that happen? Um, there's a great example of that. David Cote, who runs um, Honeywell, has a, has a book out and he talked about the pushback he got from his lead team that said, when they were saying we need to hire more minorities and we can't find them. And he goes, ridiculous. How many plants do we have around the, the country? You know, and then uh, I talked to my friend, Terry Jackson about that. He said, let's go to, um, you know, traditionally the HCBUs, um, historically black colleges. Uh, let's recruit there. Are you doing that? You know, all of these things, of course you can make it happen. And leaders energize that. Is that acting with grace? You could say that certainly. Again, John Baldoni, the executive coach and leadership educator, who's also author of Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. He's even a member of the Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches. John, thank you so much for being our guest here on the ROI Podcast. Matt, it's been wonderful. You ask terrific questions and you make it easy for people like me. So thank you. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm flattered. I really appreciate that. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.